This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnick. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President Jonathan Kraft. Bloomberg Business of Sports. From Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. And I'm Evan Novi williams Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. Scott Soshnick will join us later for our interview with Intel sports head Sean Bryant. When you think about kind of capturing, moving, manipulating, and processing data, one of the greatest bandwidth users of that is content from sports, video. And we really want to position ourselves to be part of that you know, evolution. But first, Michael and I will look at some of the top stories of the week. Well, let's start with Texas and the athletics program. There's more than $219 million in revenue. Oh, my goodness. Looks like my balance sheet the, yeah. when I open up Bank of America. Yeah, but you don't have Bevo, man. That's up in Fact. <laughs> staring Fact. at you, man. It's like, uh, hey, that's obviously uh, they're very successful. Yeah, we're getting to the time of year where athletic departments around the country start declaring uh, their revenue for the previous year. Uh, as you mentioned, Texas, uh, more than $219 million in revenue. In fiscal year 2018, they spent over 200 as well. Uh, second year in a row, they've been over 200 for both expenses and revenue. Well, Bevo uh, can eat. This 219 <laughs> is a is a record for a modern day athletic department or athletic department ever. Let's move on now to we love our sports on TV. Mm. Last year, with the resurgence of the NFL, and it was an Olympic year. It was dominant for viewership. Yeah, I, I love this. Sports Business Journal puts out this, the, the 100 most watched telecasts of the year, uh, every year. And, you know, sports is dominant, but the, the trend is going upward. You know, we talk so much about how, you know, cord cutters, how the changing media model uh, is affecting uh, cable TV and, and TV in general. But the truth is that the newer model, the model we have now in 2019, sports is actually more important. Last year, sports were 81 of the top 100 telecasts. This year, it's 88. You know, it just highlights this is the reason why uh, this changing media landscape hasn't meant less money for sports broadcast rights is because in this new environment, they're even more important than they were before. If, let's say, for instance, because this is the big AFC-NFC championship weekend, what happens if New England beats KC and once again they make it to the Super Bowl do you think people will tune in uh, record viewership to the Super Bowl, or do you think it'll be down a bit? I, I think it's going to be. I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to eclipse the record that they hit a couple of years ago, but it's going to be high. You know, the as we talked about last week, I think the the, the four teams left are they, they can't go wrong now. You know, right. the you know you either get Tom Brady, the most famous player in your league, in, in the Super Bowl again, or you get Pat Mahomes, the the up and coming stud that everyone wants to see play more. You know, so that's the AFC. In the NFC, you're going to get the upstart Rams, who are fun to watch, right? And their game against Kansas City, I think, might have been the most watched non Thanksgiving regular season game of the year. Oh yeah. Or you're going to get the Saints, you know, who are a breeze is a great story. They've got a huge fan base uh, that's close to Atlanta where the Super Bowl is. So, so they're not going to go wrong either way. And looking at this this list, though, top 100 broadcasts, I'm curious here. How far do you think you have to go to find a, a sporting event that's not football or the Olympics? I bet you would have to go at least for, down to at least past 50. 58. 
yep. for uh, for one of the Cavs Warriors games from the NBA Finals. That's why there. Are, you think about why you know why NBC continues to pay billions of dollars for the Olympics. There were five Olympic broadcasts that that were mo- more watched than than the most watched NBA game of the year. It's uh, it's amazing to me. The top hundred list. There's only one Major League Baseball game. There's obviously no. NHL game. Uh, the most watched non-sports broadcast of the year was a This Is Us episode, 27 million, and it was the episode that directly followed the Super Bowl, right? <laughs> so, so you can see the direct tie to at least some of that of that viewership. It's amazing how much sports continues to both continues to dominate and takes up more and more uh, of the, the TV watching pie. Let's move on now. We, oh my goodness, um, <laughs> Scott's son, my son. And all the parents out there are like, oh, no. The maker (laughs) of one of the world's most popular video games, Fortnite, says users' credit card information may have been exposed. Yeah, another another one of these phishing hacks where uh, people found out an old website that Epic Games, the Fortnite maker, was using, sent out these emails that has a link that makes it look like you're clicking through a link sent by Epic Games, but you're not. Um, and, and through that, they were able to get user information, including credit cards. Um, and as you know, because your your kids play, that's a lot of uh, a lot of parents' oh, credit card man. information um, set up by oftentimes set up by 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 kids who don't fully understand the importance of things like uh, separate passwords or, or harder to crack passwords, etc. Um, this is a I'm sure everyone in the in, in the gaming world, outside of even just games. Across business, uh, people are taking a look at this and saying, okay, we need to make sure that stuff like this doesn't happen to us. Yeah, and this is a way more than just about Fortnite. We're talking about an impact on esports in general. Yeah, for sure. And and Fortnite is, you know, the the giant in the room when it comes to, to video games. Two hundred million uh, people have signed up for the game. Eighty million are p- playing on a monthly basis. Uh, if you can get your hands on on credit card data, there obviously there's there's a lot to get your hands on. Up next on the show, Scott Soschnick will join us when we speak with Sean Bryant who is with Intel. Thank you very much for joining us. Sean Bryant leads Intel Sports Operations in New York City. He directs product strategy, product planning, and roadmap delivery for the group and leads or co-leads Intel's global partnerships with professional sports leagues, sports federations, broadcast networks, and other members of the sports and entertainment ecosystem. First of all, Sean, thank you so much for joining us, sir. Thank you very much, Michael. I appreciate that and and for that wonderful introduction. It's so nice that my children might actually listen to me in the future. (laughs) If your children are listening to Bloomberg Radio, come on. They're playing Fortnite. Come on. Do they play Fortnite? They do. They do. They ever won? Um, You know, they get pretty far along, and uh, I have to, you know, um, confess to my ignorance on playing the actual game because I kind of sit on the sidelines and watch them, but uh, they're bringing me along slowly. My son got his first victory about a week ago. I'm going to show you the celebration video. Better than, I mean, happier than anything else that could have occurred in his life. He finally won one of those things. Uh, By the way, guys, Sean and I go back so long. I mean, you didn't have all those fancy titles and things going on. It's like we were hanging around in, like, the outside the banquet room at the NBA Tech Summit. That's right. Like, one of the the first, probably, Tech Summit, trying to see who could steal the most, like, salmon on our (laughs) bagel. Like, we didn't want to have to pay for breakfast, but so we were outside doing that kind of stuff. That's right. And, And now look at them, so... But but who knew? Like, did you guys know Intel? And like, I don't think sports when I think Intel. But I guess these days with everything going on, I should. It, exactly. I mean, the, the great thing about um, Intel Sports is we're part of Intel Corp, um, the two hundred plus billion dollar market cap company that's really 
helped build Silicon Valley, right? I mean, we're 50, celebrating our 50th anniversary this year. And, um, you know, with actually, ironically, our greatest quarter in history, you know, and, and, and that's one of the really good things about that is that we've moved from a company that focuses on silicon to a data-centric firm. And really, when you think about kind of capturing, moving, manipulating, and processing data, one of the greatest bandwidth users of that is content from sports, video. And we really want to position ourselves to be part of that you know, evolution, primarily around immersive video you know, for us. I remember a couple of years ago at CES out in Las Vegas, uh, former Intel CEO Brian Krasnich out there, I think he was talking about VR. He showed VR basketball at the time and thinking, okay, you know, Intel's in this uh, for the long run. Give us a sense. It was certainly True VR was a company that you guys bought a number of years ago. Outside of VR, what else is Intel doing in, in, in the tech space right now for sports? Sure. Um, I'll use our, our deal with the NBA as an example. Um, you know, Couple areas. <laughs> uh, we we are the official um, virtual reality and biometric video partner for the NBA. And biometric video is essentially, if you imagine, a ring of thirty-eight five K cameras surrounding a uh, an arena or a stadium, and basically linking that. What does that mean? Five K cameras. Good. It means good. High def. Exactly. Okay, so just high, crystal clear high def. High, okay. high def, exactly. Okay. And that's where you would actually find out that I have a face built for radio. You know, so, but, uh, There's you a reason we're all here, my friend. <laughs> yeah. But, Especially um, that year. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, but our, our, you know, our technology is such that we take those images, um, link them with a few miles of fiber to about three um, racks of servers. And with some wonderful algorithms, we can create a virtual camera where there is none. So if you think back to the Super Bowl, um, we were able to um, show through a view of Tom Brady's uh, perspective of the field. So no camera attached to his head or anything, but we were basically able to show you what Tom Brady saw as he threw a pass. I've seen tech like that before. It's, it's fascinating. I, mean, I don't know if it was you guys or, or someone else, but I was watching a, a soccer broadcast a little while ago. Um, goal got scored. Goalie didn't even move. You know, and, and to the TV angle, you're like, what? The guy didn't even move. What happened? And then they moved the, the, the perspective back to the goalie's side. Exactly. And you saw that the shot went through two legs. A, a defender moved his back. It went right behind the back. And you realize the goalie didn't even see it. He, he had no idea the shot had even been taken, which That's is right. why he didn't move. So it's certainly a cool way to see the different perspectives on, on a field. Exactly. And we're in the opening, you know, we're in the first first inning of this right now. You know, ultimately, we're going to be able to do that real time. So, that, you know, to your, your point, Evan, you'll be able to watch an entire match or an entire game from the perspective of your favorite athlete. Right. So you could imagine being in Staples Center and watching an entire game from LeBron James's perspective, literally without a camera attached to his forehead. So that's that's a really exciting part of the world. So that's that's one, you know, one area we're involved in. Um, the other is we signed on as the official processor for the NBA 2K League uh, this past season, their inaugural season, and we're super excited about that. Um, the 2K League decided to compete on the PC platform as opposed to a console platform, which we really think gives players and fans the best possible experience. So we're super excited about that area in, in esports as well. I remember back in the day. Here, oh, here we go. Comes the, here, comes the, here comes the ColecoVision story. Yeah, how, yeah. <laughs> Pong. I, I was there with you, Michael. I was there. <laughs> I see, you see, it's only one person that has a full head of gray hair. Me. That's it. I remember back in the day when if you wanted the, the camera, and yes, NASCAR did this. They put the camera in the car, the full <laughs> Heavy camera sure. that rotated. Now you don't even need the camera. Will you stop spitting out your brain? <laughs> <laughs> you, you went like 
like Atari and Master. <laughs> I did. I, I went there at the same time. <laughs> now you don't even need a camera anymore. I mean, the technology is amazing. Yes, we're, we're, we're extremely excited about the opportunities to enhance the fan experience, uh, both in the arena at home. Um, we're excited to enhance the experience for the athletes through you know a number of other experiences that are going to help them, technology help no, them What are the other uses? Does it, this is training. Uh, what are the other uses? Certainly, certainly. Training is, is one of the things on in, in the uh, pipeline. If you think about it, being able to Again, sit there and really point out with the greatest of detail what you did right and what you did wrong, kind of real time. And so that's really, you know, we think that's going to be an incredibly exciting opportunity. Officiating, um, you know, we're, we think there are opportunities there down the road. Um, we had the good oh, great. fortune. Let's prove how they really blew the call. Even they hear it crystal clear. <laughs> no, this is how they blew it. No, I, I look at it as kind of analogous to what's going on in mobility, right? I mean, it's not that you are about having a self-driving car today, right? It's about having driver-assisted features, right? And so we think that technology will hopefully help um, referees and everybody else do their jobs better, not necessarily displace them. Be honest on this. How well do you think sports has embraced the technology that's out there right now? You know, to, um, I guess, kind of paraphrase one of our, the, to me, one of the most uh, important influences in my career in the sports business, um, you know, Commissioner Emeritus David Stern, um, he, he famously says that sports is the canary in the coal mine of technology. And, and essentially, you know, they're, we're, they're there adopting, kind of figuring out sport technology far earlier than almost any other industry. Interesting. Um, and so. You know what I, David I, used to say to me, <laughs> you know, the most, Sashnik's an idiot. <laughs> and you know that's true. Well, that's what see, David, see, my guy said to me. <laughs> well, that was right after he got to me. But, but uh, yeah, but, but no, he, you know, he is a, a phenomenal well, listen, individual. David understood, and I've been, I don't, sorry, you get to this in a second, no, but okay. David understood that long term, and here's my favorite word again that I mm -hmm. use on this show is scale. Technology will allow you to scale. And in a flat world, there's a whole lot of content to deliver. That's what you're helping here. Exactly. Exactly. And, and yes. I, I've been a little, to be honest, I've been a little surprised. I think that sports doesn't do as good a job as maybe they should. And mm -hmm. I, I would think that, you know, sitting in a place that has all of Intel's capacities at your fingertips, sure. that there is probably tons that you would like to be doing. I mean, the, just as an example, the idea that, you know, there's a scrum in, in football, and you can't really see where the knee is down when the ball is down, and the, sure. a referee walks across from the sideline to put a ball down, and then you measure it, and it's a quarter of an inch away, and sure. suddenly it. it's fourth down. <laughs> yeah. Like it, sure. th the idea that we can't put a sensor in that ball to know exactly when the ball, when the knee is down, or you know, stop it, know exactly where the ball is, just seems as though there's a You're lot of technology. Soccer caught on with VAR, yeah. Sure. Instantaneously, the ref knows if that ball went in or not. You know, I watch hockey a lot. You know, you see these five-minute delays where they're trying to figure out if the puck went in or not. Sure. Technology is, is good enough that we can know when the puck went in or not. Definitively, end of story, instantaneously. Uh, I just feel like there's so much opportunity for, for that kind of stuff. Sean, you and I were discussing uh, hockey off-air because you know my son's a big hockey player. Thank you for checking in on, on the yes. team. But what are you doing for a sport that I've always said, if people can touch it and feel it, because not everybody, you can play basketball. You have a ball, you go out and shoot, play bas baseball, you throw. Sure. But you can't just play hockey. Like To touch it and feel it, though, then they can scale that audience. So how, how does technology help hockey? Sure. Um, that, that's a great question, Scott. I mean, you know, with Jackson and, and him in the you know youth hockey part of the world, I know you have a perspective and you get a chance to see the speed and the grace of the sport. Um, 
I have not followed the sport that closely, so I don't have as much of an appreciation. However, one of the things I will say is coming out of CES this past um, this past week, um, we had a wonderful experience with the NHL. Um, we had an opportunity uh, with between uh, Intel, the um, MGM Resorts, as well as um, the the NHL. We basically, for the first time, using 5G, were able to institute a program for tracking both the puck and players real time. Um, and it was phenomenal in the fact that it gives you a real feeling for just how fast the game is played, the reflex time, and all these other wonderful aspects of the sport that the casual fan may not be aware yeah, of. Yeah, you wrote about it. Yeah, we wrote Yeah, it's a, there's so many applications for things like that. Yeah, for, from, you know, sports gambling type of data. You know, we saw Genius Sports out there doing, doing that kind of stuff all the way through, you know, training metrics and giving teams a better understanding of where their guys are on the ice, how they're being efficient, how they're being inefficient etc. Exactly. And, and a lot of that is going to be enabled by one of the, the key areas that Intel's focusing on, that's 5G. Um, you know, just to give you an idea, with 5G um, from, from 4G, you have basically a thousand times the capacity that you have with 4G. That sounds um, good. Yeah, it's, it's pretty good. You know, 1.21 gigawatts? <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Doc. Thank you. All right, all right. See, gets the reference. Did you get the reference, Bob? Oh, I got that right away. <laughs> and, there, and there were some cool shoes in that, too. All right. Well, Even they had flames and everything in that one. What, what kind of money are we talking about here? I, what, I mean, in the industry, in the sports industry, global sports industry, what kind of money are we talking about sure. for Intel, for the leagues, for the players? What are we talking about? Sure. Well, you know, in terms of peeling it out, you know, we can talk a little bit specifically about sports, but our current CEO, Bob Swan, has basically said that we're operating in a business with, a, you know, TAM, a total available market of about $300 billion, right? We add up all the things we're doing, a server business, et cetera. But within sports, it's a phenomenal opportunity, I mean, measured in the billions. I mean, you, you, know, you look at the, the estimates around just sports gambling, right, and the, the amounts that they think they can move from the dark to the light, and that runs into the, the billions of dollars there. Um, so, so the, you know, the opportunities are significant. Immersive video. Um, yeah, you tell me, what's the opportunity if now all of a sudden you have the ability to not just watch this on your wonderful 65-inch TV screen, but to really go inside and to see what it looks like from a player's perspective? You know, I'd pay a couple of dollars for that, you know, that, that ability. You know, How and, far away, because as I told you, I got mm -hmm. my son an Oculus, mm -hmm. but there isn't that much sports content on there. Yes. And even if I watch the ESPN programming, it's really just like watching the TV. It's mm -hmm. not the real experience mm -hmm. of some of the apps. Sure. The San Jose Sharks were the only team that had a VR app where you could go sure. to the locker room or see the team come out for warm-up. Mm -hmm. I love it. Yep. But when will I have real content that updates that I can really count on and want to do every day? Sure. You know, it, it's it's evolving, um, and that's one of the things that, you know, I've been talked about earlier, the, the fact that, you know, maybe technology is not being deployed as effectively in all the areas that it should be. And I would agree that's that's the opportunity. That's the great thing, right? You know, so there is, you know, we will see a world where you have real-time sports. I mean, there are issues of real-time sports statistics for gambling, et cetera. And, you know, but that presents a set of challenges, right? You, you have to address one of the key things is latency, right? I mean, you can't have somebody getting the information two seconds earlier than their peer or a minute earlier. So so we think that there's a real opportunity around, you know, those areas to deploy, you know, tech technology in in in, in that capacity. Well, I, I just wonder though if the technology, if some athletes do not want that technology sure. out because that's going to give away some secrets about 
how they play the game yeah, or Sean how they, they drive. All trust or Sean. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least I drop your name regularly. So yeah, that's right, it. right, right, right. <laughs> um, but but no, that, that's a great point, Michael. I mean, you know, that's one of the bigger issues from my understanding. I, you know, I'm many years removed from working at the league office, but um, you know, my understanding is that's a big issue of conversation between the leagues and the players' associations in terms of. Who owns this data? Who is it, has access to this data? Because you know there may be some things that could help your cause when it comes to contract negotiations, and there may be some things that could hurt your cause. And just like I might not want somebody to know my blood pressure on a daily basis, you know. So um, you know those are issues and challenges that you know pre- cre- again create opportunities going forward. You mentioned blood pressure there. Biometrics is that an area that you guys are dabbling in, focusing on at all, or are you kind of staying more towards the, the, the camera-oriented type stuff? Sure. Our, for Intel Sports, our focus right now is helping to lead this charge into immersive video, right? And we think that out of that will come many opportunities, but we have with, you know, as you pointed out earlier, the acquisition of two companies. One was is now rebranded as True VR, and the other is True View. And we think with using those two pieces, there are a number of other businesses that can be complementary and adjacent to that. And Sean, Michael talked about these Nike shoes. I don't know if you saw 350 bucks. You don't need to lace them. You have to recharge them. You can tighten them with the app. Uh, it, it, tech and sports is is sports the leader in technology and driving technology. Do you, is do you try things in sports, see how it goes, and then does it function in other parts of the company? Uh, Yes, I think just on a macro level, there's an opportunity for sports to really be at that kind of the top of that pyramid of influence, right, in terms of opportunities. You know, you know, there's an outsized, I guess, interest in the world. You know, you have a sports page in every newspaper, every magazine, um, you know, and, and I think that that's an opportunity to really kind of capture the imagination and to really be a great test bed, you know, for technology. I know you had um, Brian Rollup on, on the um, your broadcast, you know, your previous broadcast, and when you think about the scale of the you know, the NFL, who's also a partner of the of uh, Intel's, um, you know, there are not too many places you're going to get those types of numbers and audience and be able to showcase you know your technology on a daily basis and really in a way that's relevant, right? You know, because at Intel, one of the things we have a hundred thousand super smart people, you know, and and I'm fortunate to work with them, and um and and we really have the greatest technology, you know, whether it be five G, artificial intelligence, you know, our servers run ninety percent of the cloud, um, but you know the reality of it is like. That it has, can't be technology just for technology's sake. And I think sports gives you the opportunity to really showcase this tech. And I am so glad you said that, that you can't have technology for technology's sake. Now, you can't see what I'm doing, folks, but I'm going to tell you. <laughs> you see how I am tightening up my shoe? I'm tightening <laughs> up by lacing up my shoelaces. Why in the world? I'm sorry, Nike. Listen, here, here, comes, wait, wait, here comes the big exhale I, when, he, when he moves back. I, to his I, I like you. I, I think you have a great, you sell great shoes. But why do I need to pay $350 for a shoe where I get an app, it has the data, Lord, if I step in a puddle, I could lose all this data Sean, on my right. shoe. Sean, would you please and, educate and, Mr. Barr and, as to the value of data in professional sports? I get the data. It's in my shoe. I don't, I don't think shoe. you do. It, it's, it, I, okay, put a sensor on my foot. Anything, man. Because now you, we, we talk. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the sensor would melt. I, I, listen, I, I, I'm, I get it. it it's, this is the cool thing, this and that, whatever. And then I got to charge the shoe up every two weeks. Weeks, it, why? 
Edu- educate <laughs> the man, please, Sean. Well, well, I have to first you know, follow disclaimers. As a dad of three children, Alexander, Ava, and Adriana, at 350 <laughs> times three, uh, it's a pretty short conversation in, in the Brian household uh, for the shoes. Um, how, having said that, though, I, I will say that you know your your point is unequivocal. You know, uh, Scott, that tech data uh, capture and data is kind of the the currency, the oil, if you will, of, of sports and, and I think of technology and business going forward, right? So any opportunity to capture that data really represents a great opportunity to, again, enhance the lives, the experiences, and, um, and, and create business opportunities. And one thing Nike will, you know, obviously do with that data, they will apply machine learning so that they can be smarter about their customers and their own product moving forward. Uh, machine learning is, you know, obviously the, the kind of the way of the future with a lot sure. of the sports data. Um, and I think that you guys, alongside Alibaba, maybe had the best kind of future encapsulation of what that might look like, an announcement that came a couple of weeks ago surrounding the Olympics. Yes. Uh, tell us a little bit more about exactly what that is, because that feels like when it is available a leap and bounds further than what data capture is in sports right now. Sure. Uh, well, you know, the, the announcement we made with Alibaba last week during CES, I think, represents um, what Intel does best, right? We're an ingredient company. You know, we provide the building blocks to enable a lot of these technologies and these experiences. And we feel as though, you know, our, we're an Olympic sponsor for the next three Olympics, I believe. And taking our access and our technology and marrying that with Alibaba will enhance not just the experience of the, the viewers at home, but the, you know, training and, and insight for the athletes themselves. So, you know, being able to capture, you know, terabytes, you know, maybe even petabytes of data, um, you know, and, and then being able to take that and translate it into actionable insights is really what we think we do incredibly well. Mm. So it's, I, I think that, you know, lots more to come. And, and that technology seems like it is, has the ability to replace essentially all the other types of non-biometric wearables that people, you know, whether it's the sleeve on the pitcher's arm that shows the rotation of his elbow, whatever it is, uh, through cameras only, mm-hmm. it sounds like the future is being able to figure out all this, everything about the body in space by camera only, nothing sure. on the body itself. Sure. It, it definitely, cameras and video represent an incredible opportunity to capture data and to translate it into, you know, actionable insights again. And, um, and, and in a way that's not invasive, right? That's really the, one of the key things, you know, in, in terms of what we're, we're looking at. This would be my worry if I was Adam Silver, your friend, my friend that the technology will become so good that there's just no reason to go to games anymore. I mean, you know there's been that tussle between at home versus in arena. Sure. Boy, if I can sit at home, no ingress, no traffic, no bathroom problems, and I can have this immersive experience, why mm-hmm. would I need to go and pay sure. and go to, the, go to the building itself? Sure. I would argue we're there already. Well, no, in my, in my opinion, I think we're I don't think already. we're quite there yet. But I mean, we're talking about things that the, the experience, if, if Sean sure. is right, is mm-hmm. going to be so compelling sure. at home, whether I have a, my goggles on or whatever. Sure. That maybe it pales in comparison, being being at the arena. Sure. I would say, I mean, that's a great, you know, insight. I, I would say that, you know, in from our perspective, it's additive, right? I mean, because you look at a couple of things. One is that the NBA in particular is near at near capacity across the system, right? So over 90 plus, um, you know, capacity utilization. <clears throat> um, and so there, and then if, even if you could fill every building a hundred percent, you know, I think the league famous, famously says they can only still touch between one and 2% of their fans. Uh, I right? love you. I love Trump. <laughs> right? I'm going to say, you know what David Stern would have said? He'd have gone, Sashnik, Sashnik, Sashnik. He's like, you're so New York centric. Don't you know that most people don't live near one of our buildings? 
don't you know that? Do I have to keep it? That's what David would have said. Yep. That even if you're 100%, that's the right answer. That's still the, the masses don't go to build it. That, that's right. And and when you think about particularly the NBA, which is a global sport broadcast in 200 company, countries, which, by the way, is one of the things that makes them incredibly attractive to us at Intel because we do about 80% of our business globally. Um, and so you can't, this gives you a chance to, to really bring in and translate that experience. Um, you know, one of the things that, you know, this past week again at CES, um, Adam Silver and Jack Dorsey were on the stage talking about their new partnership. And, and one of the things that, that we, you know, was highlighted was if you do, if we do our job right from a technology standpoint, we're just building more excitement for the people in, you know, Nigeria, the people in, you know, Brazil, you know, globally and understand what the excitement of a real NBA game is. Because I can put you there courtside in Jack Nicholson seats. Well, let me ask a question, and, and Scott kind of mentioned it about the goggles. What, wouldn't we see a day maybe where we go to the games and we're wearing goggles while we're in the stands? Sure. Well, well, you know, again, I'll, I'll be the old guy in the that, room. That'll for a be minute. an opt-in experience. <laughs> that'll be an opt-in. <laughs> but, but Michael, that's that's a great point. I mean, you know, I, again, I'll be the old guy for a second. Way back when, if you went to a baseball game and you you were up in the nosebleeds, which you know, if you're lucky enough for me, like I didn't go to many sporting events as a as a kid. But what did you bring along? You brought along a pair of binoculars, that's right? Right. That's right. So now, what could your VR headset be? You know, the Oculus Go you mentioned. You know, Scott, I, my my children have it now for Christmas. We anecdotally we've seen our our viewership go up for our game of the week on Turner. Uh, we do a game of the week in virtual reality, and this year we were two two games in, and the numbers have jumped. You know. Quantum, you know, quantum leap. How are people and finding the, out about it? Uh, well, one thing is that you know, Oculus has had a very aggressive advertising campaign um, this holiday season with you know, I think Jonah Hill and um, Adam Levine and and um, Wiz Khalifa, I believe, and so they're getting the word out, and we're seeing it from our you know uptake you know uptake there. But you know, but to 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 close out on uh, Michael's um, you know point, you know, so you think about having your VR headset. Now you're sitting up in the top in section 300 at Madison Square Garden, and you can now throw on this headset and maybe just dive in and see what it looks like from courtside as your modern day binoculars. So that that's you know one of the things. Ba- bad basketball in section one is the same as bad basketball in section <laughs> oh, 330. Sean. <laughs> Sean, we've we've talked again. <laughs> we've talked a little about about gambling here. I, I, obviously, there's there's a lot of this, the technology that you guys touch that eventually tangentially works its way to gambling. Do you guys do anything directly with with sports gambling, partnering with gambling houses or, or leagues to kind of create those those products? What's the Intel approach to, to the gambling opportunity? Yeah, sure, Evan. Um, that, that's that's a great question. And, and when you look at some of the key drivers for sports going forward, you have to put gambling up at the top there. I mean, you, you can see the numbers already, uh, even only being in, what, seven states You know, at this point. Um, we, as an organization, have not done a deep dive into into gambling it's something that we're definitely looking at um you know we, we're a big company so we have to be aware of how that impacts all of our businesses but um but certainly in terms of data consumption data you know generation that, that checks every box <laughs> i would think so. anything that drives engagement in sport you are jumping up and cheerleading for definitely you're, you're all i mean you're all, all about improving engagement that's exactly right, Scott. That, that's exactly right. And 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 you know, again, all the I know that you you had Brian here last week, and I'm sure a lot of your other guests have talked about it. Everybody knows that you know if you're gambling, and even like you know the, in the prop bets, or you know you're betting a dollar against your friends, um, that's going to make you watch the sport in a slightly different way, and and have and, and drive that engagement up. Yeah, the, the, the scores are relevant at this point because somebody's got money on it. 
Sean Bryant, who is the head of Intel Sports Operations right here in New York City. Sean, thank you, sir, for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, thank you. I appreciate you involving me and in, in giving myself and, and Intel a chance to, to be a part of, you know, what y'all are doing here, which is amazing and, and really bringing sports and, and business to the uh, to the population. So thank you. Time now for takeaways. And usually we do takeaways after we have done the interview and the guest has left and we thanked and we sent him or Can't her on his way. <laughs> but my man <laughs> Sean is here. So I'm, this is going to be the nicest takeaway. I've never seen such a more handsome man come in for the takeaways and do something like this. I say God bless him. Dude, Roll Up was here last week. Yeah, my mom said thank you. I will say this, though. It is a point that we talked about is that we are going to see the day when we're going to have goggles and we're going to be in the stands of a live sporting event, not just at home, but right there, maybe up in the nosebleed section, but we're going to be there at this sporting event. Yeah, I think the we talk about it on the show a lot, but just the 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 technology and the speed at which it's advancing uh, is changing so much about sports consumption and whether that's you know sports gambling, whether that's you know kids sitting on their couches trying to get a VR look from the perspective of a goalie, whether that's you know more masses from a from a larger TV audience. Uh, the technology is moving really quickly, and it's companies like Intel that are on the front the front edge of it, trying to find the, the quickest and smartest ways to adapt it for for sports fans. For me, two things: one, my kid has the Oculus; he's age nine. All his friends have it. This is going to be normal for them. They will demand this sort of experience. They will be used to it. Uh, that the big screen TV ain't gonna cut it. Just sitting in an arena, uh, people spinning plates for entertainment ain't gonna cut it. Oh. They, they're go- no, nah, it's Red just Red Panda's not gonna cut it. They want to break a few dishes and people are like, oh my god, that 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 cuts Throwing it. Shade but on Red for, Panda. for you, Sean, it, it's about the back end of the entire company. It's not a little division. You work with the whole company, Intel Capital. You've got backing That's to right. do the sorts of things that you need to do, and in. Uh, moving forward, it's just going to require that that those size companies, that sort of investment, and the smarts as well. You can't just have one. You you need the tent poles, and, and and then you can drive what the sports leagues and teams and owners are looking for. Time now for the number of the week. The number one hundred fifty thousand dollars. I know this one because I suggested it. That should give a little clue to you, Eben Nova. I, don't I know suggested it. But it's, the it. Amount, so, it's the amount of money we're going to need to pay Red Panda to come on the show now <laughs> after Scott just her entire halftime act. After I just panned her? <laughs> See what you did there? Thank business you. Business and sports show. Or those new Nike shoes that we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give us a few bucks of those. No, yeah, no, no. I don't no, know. No, what, what do we got here? 150 grand. The amount that a Syracuse fan donated. After he said that's what he would do if Syracuse, my alma mater, went into Cameron Indoor and defeated the Dukies. And that's just what they did. In overtime. What's the difference? It was an overtime. overtime. (laughs) Everything about that guy's post screamed like stupid thing that someone does when they know the team has no chance of winning (laughs) until he actually, I think he even went over, right? He paid an extra $25,000 to a local boys and girls club. But that would be one, seriously. In college basketball, these a team of freshmen. I I would think that anybody, and we always say anybody can beat anybody, but the, the difference between unranked Syracuse and number one Duke it's not that far. Like it's not that far fetched that Syracuse will go into Cameron and win the game. Like you can't be that surprised. But and he backed it up. Yeah, he backed, that's it. Kudos. He said it. He did it. Good for him.
You ready for an old man story? Oh, boy. This is an old man story, and it kind of plays off what Evan said. You see, I remember this because I used to love bowling back in the day when I could bowl. Ask him his high, Sean. Go ahead. And, ask him, <laughs> ask him his high game. I know. What was your high game? Two ninety nine. Oh. Wow. Wow. Oh. Wow. Wow. Don't, don't ask me. Oh. Hit him in the sore spot. I won't explain the, the heartbreak of that one, but it was. I cried for a whole night after that. I'm wow. still crying now. But what happened back in like uh, the late seventies, early eighties, there was this local businessman. When he was forty. Yeah, when I was forty. <laughs> And he said he was going to put up $100,000 to any bowler on the Pro Bowlers Tour during the telecast who could shoot a 300. Now, <laughs> obviously, it, he must not have had the money because when we got to the final game and you could see that no one was going to shoot the 300, he literally shook the hands of Earl Anthony. And I forgot the other guy that he was playing on live TV as this is going on. I'm like... Dude, it's like, why would you do that, man? So it's like, but this guy put up $150,000, and Syracuse won. Ladies and gentlemen, wow. Michael Ball. Thank you very much. <laughs> now that we're done with the geezer month, uh, you're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports. We're here each and every week at the same time, plus online as an Apple podcast, and you can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Evan Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. Thanks for joining us, and please tune in next week when we speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. And if you want to hear some more geezer stories, you can listen right here on Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio around the world. <laughs>